Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, we get married. Not really, but we learn about it. If you're new to the show, first off, uh, welcome to this community. It's good to have you. Uh, We have a little fun here. Uh, It's a show all about how some of the most interesting or innovative brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And the masses in today's case are brides and bridesmaids. We're talking with a brand called Brideside, and specifically their founders, Nicole Staple and Sonali Lamba. Now, this is a company which is attempting to change a lot of the stereotypes about the bridal industry. It's not hard to, after listening to my voice for two or three seconds, understand that I'm not the typical bride they're going after. But we do talk about the industry and how it's gone relatively unchanged for a long time and what Brideside is attempting to do to disrupt that and bring progress to that. We talk about inclusivity. We talk about positivity. We talk about being unapologetic, which I thought was an interesting descriptor for how they go to market. And generally speaking, as you all know, we also get advice as to how to become more authentic as a brand. But this is really interesting. I've never talked to anybody in the bridal space before, so I'm happy to bring the conversation to you and maybe you'll learn a thing or two. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation from today with, from Brideside, Nicole Staple and Sonali Lamba. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am on with the founders of Brideside, Sonali Lamba and Nicole Staple. Sonali, Nicole, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? Hi, doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Great to be here. I'm glad you're here, uh, and I'm glad that you're glad to be here. I got We got to start off where most of these do, especially when I talk with folks who found businesses, uh, what the idea was, what, what's the founding story, just so we can lay that as a groundwork and also explain what Brideside is along the way. But uh, how about we just start there to get a foundation? Let's start at the beginning then. Uh, so Nicole and I met day one of business school uh, at Northwestern here in Chicago. Uh, That's where we started the company. I had just um, planned my own wedding with a bunch of bridesmaids and Nicole had spent uh, that summer uh, participating in many, many weddings as a bridesmaid. So we kind of commiserated over the experience and the industry and and the opportunity together uh, from two different perspectives. Uh, And ultimately that was the beginning of of Brideside. We both felt like the industry and the experience was so focused on the project management and on the purchases uh, that there wasn't enough time spent celebrating and reminding groups of friends about what really matters in this moment. And so when we founded Brideside, um, it is first and foremost about delivering uh, and being there for groups of people during life's most meaningful moments and the celebration. And we are a retailer. Uh, We sell bridal gowns and bridesmaids dresses. And we've always focused on personalization and customer service uh, when we deliver our goods to our customers. We are an omni-channel player. We have a really strong digital experience. That was actually the origin of Brideside. We started off as online only with a really cool try-at-home program. Uh, And now we have a brick-and-mortar presence in Chicago, New York, Boston, and Charlotte. We work with some of the industry's top designers. We manufacture our own private labels. Um, But I think what's most uh, memorable and where we've really built our reputation comes back to our styling service. So we have an incredible team of stylists who are actively working with hundreds of bridal parties at one time, helping the bride to 
uh, refine and define her vision and then shifting gears and working with the bridesmaids to actually uh, find dresses and looks that are really exciting to them. Uh, the bridal part of our business, our bridal gown division is relatively new, but um, we're really excited there to also have our own private collection and to be delivering even more celebration and peace of mind to our customers um, in a different category now. So Nicole and I both came from finance backgrounds, uh, never could have thought that we would now uh, you know, have spent almost eight plus years in the wedding space, but we just continue to surround ourselves with great people, experts in the field, um, as we've also learned uh, and evolved with this customer and with this industry over the years. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, certainly. And I imagine uh, right now, uh, wilder than most. It's the first thing I'm going to ask about, which is right now, given these circumstances, I cannot think of many people who are uh, getting married. Plenty of people probably planning, but it is certainly an industry being impacted. Now, my guess is that you've done plenty to adapt to this. Uh, it's not uh, it's not hard to, as soon as you go on brideside.com, you see the uh, the common, uh, at least working acronym, WFH, working from home, but you have guys have adopted WSFH, wedding shopping from home. So I imagine there's plenty of virtual things going on, but why don't you let me know a little bit about what you're doing right now at the moment since, uh, well, everything's getting disrupted. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when we made the choice to, um, close our stores. That was uh, probably middle of March. Um, and it was actually truly one of the proudest moments for me and Nicole at the company, because within just a matter of three days, um, we re relaunched and emphasized this virtual styling experience. So um, our Try at Home program and our digital offering has always been um, a key part and a key value of Brideside. And we just really put it on a pedestal and, and um, highlighted it even more. And so now we are working with our customers all around the country uh, in a virtual setting. So we have um, all kinds of appointment types. You can just get on with your stylist for five, 10 minutes and have her just walk you through the process, create mood boards and style inspiration. Um, we're, we're still serving customers the way that we normally would have done in the past. Um, we have complimentary swatch um, offerings that we're sending to customers, working with folks to create try at home boxes so they can actually try on dresses at home. Um, it's really incredible to read the comments and the feedback that we're getting through um, Google and, and all of our feedback channels about just how this, this human element to wedding planning and the way that we're leading with empathy is um, really just refreshing to brides. They, they still want to be able to celebrate and have something to look forward to. So I'm just really glad that we're able to be there for them in this way right now. Right. And to be able to uh, bring a lot of that experience home is always good right now. So you're keeping people safe. Uh, being empathetic, obviously, in the way that you go to market right now, also important. If I might bring up another adjective, and uh, listeners, we have conversations before these these podcast recordings, but something that I thought was really interesting that you had both noted as a descriptor of the way you go to market and how you, um, well, perhaps great against trends in this industry was was unapologetic. And I thought that was interesting uh, because I, uh, I I don't know what that means in the in in the context of the bridal industry. I'm never going to be a bride. So I don't know, but could you tell me what those trends that are being bucked are? What is leading to being a, an unapologetic 
brand and business in this category? What does that mean? Yeah, so I mean, I love this word um, and this this kind of uh, thesis that we've taken on for ourselves. And uh, yeah, our mission, as we've said before, is to deliver peace of mind. And and that mantra is the not only the brand that we put forward to our customers, but that's also the organizing principle of our organization, of our company. Um, and we choose to lead that way too. So when it comes to being unapologetic, I, I think it really boils down to, you know, authenticity, uh, transparency, trust, uh, empathy, and just truly being vulnerable. Um, Nicole and I have a lot of responsibility. Our organization is almost 99% female. We are motivated and driven by creating uh, an amazing workforce of the most talented people um, who will go on to do great things either at Brideside or elsewhere. And we find that being unapologetic in our leadership style um, has really translated to even better business decisions and um, a really strong work culture. And what I mean by that is we live our lives on our sleeves. Um, we both have had really interesting um, personal experiences. Uh, I've had two children since starting the company. Um, Nicole recently lost her husband and, and dealt with a, a long journey with cancer. And we've only found that being honest um, and transparent with our team about the things that um, we need has led to them being that honest and transparent with us. Uh, and consequently, like I said, we, we are um, just kind of astounded every day by what that means for the way that we operate together. Um, that level of trust and transparency translates to uh, the choices that we make um, and the way that we work, that it's possible to still work hard and play hard and also to simultaneously take care of yourself. Uh, and, and that has really translated also into how we interact with our customers. And Nicole can tell you a, a lot more about that, but that authenticity, um, you know, when you can almost acknowledge the things that our customers aren't saying, um, that leads to much, much better conversations and to stronger relationships. And so uh, we find ourselves in a position where we are unapologetic about telling our customers what they need to know, uh, not what they want to hear. Um, and so that has been really, uh, really part of how we've, how we've strengthened our relationships and built our brand um, around something that is, that's truly genuine. I certainly want to get into that uh, the engagement and interaction that you have with uh, with your shoppers and, and with your consumers. Of course, that being a main focus of this show, we'll get there. You did mention, though, that uh, you know this aura of being unapologetic has led to uh, things related to telling customers what they need to know, not what they want to hear. And that word, the reason why I keep sticking to that word is because it is reflective of doing things differently, but you know, not being sorry about it, of course, obviously it's the definition of the word, but it seems to imply that there are, or maybe were, standards or assumptions or maybe even stereotypes about the bridal industry that you sought to either flip on, there, flip on its head, do differently. What are a couple of examples of those? I mean, is it, is it something about the industry structurally? Is it something tactical? Could you give me a couple examples of that? Yeah, I can jump in here. This is Nicole. And, you know, when we started the company, not only was this industry incredibly fragmented, um, but it was very much stuck in a brick and mortar sales channel. And a lot, 
the only sort of brands who had been able to break through that fragmentation had done so with certainly smart business models for the times. But what we uncovered early on is actually most of those big brands were run by men, for example. And we didn't necessarily um, personally um, uh, feel that, that these brands spoke to who we were as women. They may be shown models who were of a very specific type, not real body sizes, um, maybe uh, a pretty consistent hair color, not very diverse racially. We felt that the way they spoke to us was incredibly sanitized, um, often alluded to a wedding as almost a sort of Disneyland fantasy day. And that's not necessarily how we were thinking about falling in love planning a wedding ourselves or, or participating in weddings with our friends. And so when we when we thought about sort of flipping this industry on its head, it took sort of two paths. The first was certainly to bring the channel online in a trusted way where you could still sort of deliver that personalized service that you may find in a brick and mortar boutique. Um, but the second was to talk to women in a way that was much more authentic and, and also evolving with some of the trends that we were seeing and how people generally define themselves. And, um, you know, we can go a lot more into that. And and it's not only around the pronouns you use um, to speak to people of different genders or different identities, but also how you show, um, how you show your own um, models or customers in social media and on your site. And we've worked really, really hard to understand the language of our customers and target our, our marketing um, to be as authentic as possible. Got it. So, okay, this is, I'm glad we're talking about this because one of the things I wanted to talk about here was, um, was inclusivity. Uh, I have to imagine that that's a core principle that, uh, that you lean in really hard on. And now I'm starting to understand maybe why. So this industry was probably maybe, maybe still is, uh, for the large majority of players, a bunch of like stodgy men sitting around telling women what their day should be like using these sample size models, almost ethereal, wearing these like paper thin, beautiful, silky, almost gossamer wedding dresses. I get it. All right. So it does look like sort of a dream world, but that's, that's not real. We all know it's not real. Who's had a wedding really like that that hasn't been highly produced and put on TV. So let's talk about inclusivity then for a second. How, how have you been collecting that information about how to represent everyone and uh and how do you think that that has benefited the brand yeah we we love to talk about this and sonali started this out to say that our culture as a company also defines us and i will say that we work very um fluidly between who we hire and the personality of our company and and how we translate that back to the customer the reality is a lot of our employees at brideside are our customer. And that creates a really powerful feedback loop for us. And we do um, a lot of different types of research internally and externally to help us with this with this sort of constantly evolving process. So I think there's the very data-driven side, and then there's the softer side where we just try to keep our ear to the ground. So to give you a few specific examples, you know, let's talk first um, around uh, gender and gender pronouns. So 
we have, you know, when we first started the company and, and even over the past few years, we fell into the trap of defining um, who are, how we identify um, our customer. And we used to use words like tribe and squad, girl, you know, girl squad, things like that. As we've evolved, we've actually tried to move away as much as possible towards descriptors that may um, be uh, very gendered. And so we actually will say, you know, bride and bridesmaid and, um, and uh, you know, those are very specific target markets for us, but we try to focus as much as possible on on um, just more inclusive language. And that's something that we really hold ourselves accountable to. When we look at sizing, we um, actually collect data on the types of women that we represent in our images. So first, we create an image collection program as part of our sales process. So when one of our customers gets married, we highly encourage um, highly encourage all of our couples to send back images because we want to reflect back to our community people who are already part of our community. So that helps a lot. But when we do have to source um, models for editorial shoots, um, I believe in 2019, 45% of our models were size um, 12 or higher. And so we really do focus on that as well as the um, as uh, race diversity in, in those women um, that we use. When it comes to sizing um, uh, from a product perspective, we have actually walked away from potentially large partnerships if that designer did not create garments um, for plus size women or if they were charging fees um, back to us or the customer that were prohibitive. And one thing, one of our policies internally that's incredibly unique for the industry is that we don't charge extra for different sizes. So one thing that the industry used to do is charge, you know, a $30 fee if you order a size um, above a certain threshold because it requires more fabric. And we believe fundamentally that that doesn't align with our values as a customer. And so not only do we choose um, our our collections based on size inclusivity? We use data on our customers to drive the our own product development for our private label, and then we make sure to carry those large sizes, um, larger sizes for our try at home program, um, for sample inventory in our showrooms for women to try on. So that um, regardless of um, what your body type is, you know when you when you work with bridal parties, you um, you have women of all body types, and they all feel welcome to come and experience. Um, what Brideside has to offer. Got it. So you are making sure it sounds like you're going through an intense amount of effort to represent everyone. And that's really important. I'm glad you're doing that. Um, it's unfortunate. And granted, I'm, well, I'm sort of learning about this all for the first time uh, right here on this show, but it is uh, well, it's too bad that it wasn't always that way. And in that way, I'm glad that you're on the leading edge. Uh, and because I'm guessing that it creates a lot of good stories. Uh, and those stories don't necessarily even have to be like, oh my gosh, we did our dream wedding. It was all because the bride said, isn't that great? It could be sort of these like Excel moments, which is like, wow, I was a bridesmaid and I was kind of worried that like I was, you know, something was going to be prohibitive or whatever and brides had really helped. Uh, my question next is is around some of those stories. I'm sure you, you get a lot of them. How do you capture them? How do you amplify them? Um this is getting really to the core of what what this show is about, which is that how how are you uh, how are you mobilizing those brides and bridesmaids to to come together and and share their stories um, to, as a way of spreading the word. 
Yeah, that's it's a great question, and it's it's hard. It's it's not easy. We are working on this all the time, as I'm sure many other brands are, and, and we. Um, we are constantly trying to do everything we can to leverage our community and highlight all of the amazing people that we work with. But some of the things that have been really successful, as I mentioned, incorporating um, that feedback loop into our sales process has been hugely powerful. So we do that a few different ways, not only, as I mentioned before, collecting images as soon as that um, as that couple gets married, but we do things like collect you know, net promoter score um, throughout multiple parts of the process to um, to stay close to how how we're doing in terms of delivering our experience, we are asking for reviews throughout the process, and we try to really push those reviews back to internally to our um, to our uh, to our team and also externally as well, whether it's through our Instagram stories or or just on um, on our feed generally, and we really do rely on our customers and that and that positive reinforcement to continue the momentum as a brand internally we have a channel called dope things where our team posts all day long positive things that they've heard from our customers and it's incredibly inspiring and our marketing team monitors that closely and we try to extract that and, and figure out ways like what are we seeing in that feedback what's really resonating with customers are there quotes that we can use specifically or even just trends that we're starting to see that we can then reflect back to the community. Um, by the nature of our business, you know, we are a group shopping platform. We brides and bridesmaids um, shop together using um, using our technology, and we're constantly honing what that technology looks like. So that not only are we trying to collect feedback from them, push it back out for marketing, but we're helping that internal dialogue of the women who are shopping with us, whether it's sharing styles and ideas um, or style boards that one of the stylists has built, or whether it's just everyone having their information organized in one place, that becomes a very important part of why this is interesting from a technology perspective. Um, more recently, during COVID, our community has really come to life. And we've been hosting these um, IG uh, live stories where our stylists, if there's an idea or a style um, or a trend that's inspiring them, they're opting into hosting these um, these live sort of happy hours. So for example, last Wednesday, we had one of our stylists who used to be a mixologist um, mixing high-end cocktails while another stylist talked about trends for black tie weddings for almost an hour. And we had a ton of engagement, not only from our staff who were all um, all excited to watch their colleagues um, do this sort of amazing performance, but also we had brides and bridesmaids from all around the world participating. And it really just felt that we were sort of in this together and it was inspiring to see people having fun in a time that can be incredibly isolating or stressful. Got it. So, I mean, a lot. So obviously there's a ton going on here. And, uh, you know, with the, the fact that you're able to bring these dope things together brings a little light <laughs> to the day. Um, happy hours aren't too bad either. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people trying those out. So let's let's talk about going forward and, and, and the progress that Brideshides continue to make. And we touched about we touched on this a little bit earlier, just about what the stereotypes about the industry were. Let's talk about what they could be and given your input. What what do you hope to change by the bridal industry over the coming years. I don't know how many years you have it planned out for, but I imagine it's a few. What do you hope to change about it? Yeah. And Sonali can jump in on this too. For me, um, it, it's really 
two things. The first is actually more business model related, which is how um, people experience the industry. And that's very much through our omni-channel approach. And how you access everything from product browsing to um, to the product itself needs to be um, incredibly seamless on your phone, on your laptop, in person. And we've worked really, really hard, even from a backend data perspective, to make sure that that data is streamlined from the moment you see an ad for Brideside or click on the site all the way through to when um, to when you get married or even afterwards and you might be participating in other weddings. We want that personalization to really drive the entire omni-channel experience. And that, I think, is a huge innovation for this industry that has really struggled to sort of evolve um, with technology trends more generally. But in terms of brand, I think this idea of relatability and um, is is huge for me. And that's this shift from weddings feeling like this super high-end fashion event that may not really be who you actually are as a person towards personalization um, and a reflection of your best self. And I think everything we've touched on today around um you know, size and race inclusivity in your marketing to price accessibility, which is important to us. We continue to launch collections and all different price points. You know, we feel that everyone should really be welcome to an elevated experience and and everyone should feel like they have this special time to celebrate love and connection, which is more important than ever now. And we just don't feel the industry has done a particularly good job of that in the past. And that's really my, my dream for this. Well, I hope that uh, the industry for your for your sake continues to, to change to, to your vision. And again, still just learning about this for the first time. Seems like you have a good thing going. Seems like it's progress that needs to be made. And uh, perhaps a bit slower than it should be. Um, but you, again, on the leading edge of that. And that's, that's really good to hear. Let me round us out with some advice. Listeners know what's coming. It's the advice column. This is where... I ask the folks who come on this show for advice about how to be a more authentic marketer and about how to build more authentic brands in that way. And here's why. Most of the folks that listen to this show are either um, brand builders themselves or founders or uh, just simply marketers at large companies looking to work their way up. But regardless, they emulate the journeys of those who appear on this show. And so I would be remiss not to take the opportunity to ask about maybe a, a story that defined your journey to becoming more authentic or a lesson that you had from a mentor or a mistake that was made that made you learn or a pitfall that you avoided, but an example of how to do it based on your experience. It's a big question and I'll just ask it simply. What are some of your top tips on how to become more authentic? One of the best pieces of advice that Sonali and I received actually a long time ago when we were in our technology incubator was to strip away everything from your business that costs money. And if you still think you have something that is scalable, different, unique, that customers want, that's your value proposition. And I think there's a tendency when you're an early brand, for example, to say, well, I can't get customers because I don't have enough customers to gain the traction I need to build what will make the customers come. So you get in this sort of downward spiral, potentially. 
And what I loved about that piece of advice was it was saying, no, you know, if you believe that you have something unique to say in the world, um, say it and find a way to say it really authentically and see what happens and see if it resonates. And Sonali and I have sort of always operated with that mindset and in the early days invested in things that we felt would really support the service-driven and concierge-driven brand that we are trying to build and not necessarily have, you know, the the best-looking store at initially or the best-looking technology. And that has really worked for us and allowed us to gain the market penetration and traction to then invest in those things that make it, you know, a really, really amazing brand or an even shinier brand. And, and so I loved that. And, you know, as we've now scaled, I think we've, and and we service a much bigger audience, the way that I think we continue to sort of remain authentic is to not speak to an audience um, that's too large. And what I mean by that is we find a lot of power in our message speaking to maybe one very specific woman at a given time. Maybe today we want to talk to that um, woman who is a little more alternative or maybe someone who is pretty girly and loves that um, more sort of like princess speak. That That's okay. I mean, we, we are accepting of, of all of those different personalities or dreams for your wedding. And by doing that, we find that we don't actually alienate people. We draw more people in because they can see that we, um, we find ways to speak to them. And I think where you can get into trouble is where you try to anesthetize the messaging too much, and then you're not really speaking to anyone. And that's a lesson we've really had to learn. We continue to learn um, as we scale. And so I guess those would be my two pieces of advice. Really find the value proposition that's unique to you and um, forget all the things that cost a lot of money and then um, speak to one person at a time to build a big brand. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, um, the speak to one person at a time part uh, is obvious to me. I have never heard the other, I've never heard anything like that other piece of advice. Just strip the things away that cost money. And if you still have something, then then that's your value prop. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool advice. Um, yeah. Well, folks, it's I mean, if you're if you're building a brand, I mean, that's think about that. <laughs> think about that. And if you <laughs> pursue that unique voice and have conversations once one, one one at a time and and build things up authentically from the ground up, I mean, that's that's how many brands I think try to do it. Maybe not successfully, but they try to do it that way. I'm glad that you are doing it that way. And so for uh, that and for, for the stories that you've shared here and for, uh, for giving us all this advice, I can't thank you enough for joining the show. Uh, Sonali, Nicole, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks a lot. This was fun. Thank you so much to Nicole Staple and Sonali Lamba for joining the show today. I, like I said, I'm not your typical bride, but It was fascinating to learn about the bridal industry, and I hope you continue to make that progress. If you enjoyed this show, here's what you can do. Go to LinkedIn, go to the search bar, and type in Authentic Influence Podcast. And what's going to pop up is a showcase page that you should follow. It's where I live online. It's also where all of our shows live, clips from the show, as well as news about happenings and events. And that's going to happen later in the year, admittedly, but it'll be there. It's a content hub uh, outside of our regular website, which is podcast.vavoom.co, which I'd encourage you to browse around as well. 
I'm on LinkedIn too, Adam Connor. Of course, my personal profile. Feel free to connect there. Send me a message. Let me know what I should do to be making this show better for you. And I'll do all that I can. I'll be back again in just a few days with another fantastic podcast about how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.